Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. Um, I, I want to open with this verse, and, and the, the worship team sang this song from C3 Toronto, which is terrific, and we're going we're gonna to actually step two verses back from what I gave um, the worship or the production team, because it just seemed interesting to me, and it's two verses before this, it, starting in verse 4, Philippians 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Amen. I will say it again. This is what the scripture says. Yeah. I will say it again. Yeah. Rejoice. It's a preacher, as you can tell. No one responded the first time, so he had to say it again. I said rejoice. rejoice. Remember? Isn't it interesting that we did a new song today that said rejoice? Always rejoice. How many of you in your seats felt like rejoicing? No. On the stage, rejoicing. Rejoice. I'll say it again. Rejoice. I don't even know there's a lot of reason not to rejoice this morning. I don't even know what it is. I know Curtis's kid was sick. There's no reason to rejoice. But the scripture says rejoice. I say it again. Rejoice. We have to make decisions in our life of what we're going to do irrelevant of what our circumstances say. It's actually an amazing thing. Pastor Kimberly was talking about the tithe. The tithe is a principle that doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It's a decision you made irrelevant of your circumstances. Because it's really easy to give based on your circumstances. It's really hard to make a decision of what you're going to do irrelevant of your circumstances. It's really easy, really easy to love when my wife's been kind to me. It's a lot harder to love when she's uh, uh, told me that I look fat in what I'm wearing. That's not what she says. What usually happens is this. I'm like, I think I've gained 10 pounds. She's like, I think so too. And I turn and I'm like, if I said that to you, do you know how much trouble I'd be in right now? Like, these don't fit anymore. No, they don't. You're not supposed to say that, babe. I did rip my pants on the dance floor last night. We don't have a picture of it. I bent down, splits down the middle. That was a nice suit. No longer. <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Yeah. Scripture says the Lord is near. Tell yourself right now, the Lord is near. It's not about how you feel. It's not about the circumstances you've had today. The Lord is near. The Lord is near to you if you need him. The Lord is near to you if you don't need him. The Lord is near to you if you're looking for him. The Lord is near to you if you're not looking for him. The Lord is near. But then it says this, and this is where I wanted to uh, start. It says, do not be anxious for anything but in every situation. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. My title for my message today uh, is Ask. Ask. Why don't you bow your heads? I'm going to pray. God, we thank you for your presence here. God, I thank you that you have ordained. You have made it so that each person who's in this seat is in their seat. God, I pray that you would open their ears right now. That it would be easy to hear what you're trying to speak into their situation. God, I do not know what's going on in the people in this room's world. But Holy Spirit, you do. Holy Spirit, 
We give you permission to speak. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to correct. We give you permission to direct. We give you permission to open our eyes to things that we have not seen. We give you permission to change the trajectory of our life for the better. Even if it feels in the moment like for the worse. Spirit of God, move here in the way that only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It says this, um, and, I, and what I'm going to ask for you to do is, uh, I assume, this is probably a bad thing to assume, but does everyone here have a, a phone or a, a writing device of some sort? I'd like you to pull it out, um, and I'd like you to open up a note. Um, and I know you were already doing that because you were all taking notes, but if, if you don't have that open already, um, you can open it back up and... Uh, Take notes. And I'm going to go to Philippians 4 in the message version in just a moment here. Um, and here's what it says in the message version. The same verse that I read uh, momentarily ago. It says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry. Let me say that again. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. So here's what we're going to do on that note. And I'd like you to take some time maybe during this message um, to write down the things in your world that you're worried about. What in your world is worrying you? What in your world is making you anxious? What in your world is waking you up in the middle of the night and disturbing your sleep? What in your world do you think of before you go to bed and it's the first thought you wake up in the morning? What is it that in your body creates tension as though you can't breathe? What is it that feels like knots in your stomach when you think about it? Who is it that on your mind you're concerned when you think about them? I'd like you to write it down. I'm not going to look at this list. This is for you. But what are the things that you are worried about, anxious about, nervous about? We're just using different words so that we don't start to discredit the things we want to write down because they don't fit that list. I find most people actually know what they write, want to write down, but here's what usually happens is the first thing you write down is the safe answer. And if we can get further along to about the sixth thing, we'll get to the real answer. Yeah. You know, it's like being vulnerable with a new friend. You tell them like, oh, well, I'm bad with this. <laughs> but it's like the surface level of the reality of what it is. Yeah. It's like, oh, sometimes I'm late for things. You know, but your real friends know that you're 10 minutes late all the time. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So what is it? What are you worried about? What are you anxious about? If you don't know, this is a great time to try and listen to that inner voice called the Holy Spirit that can tell you what you're worried and anxious about. I'm going to go through a, a few scriptures, and they're going to have some uh, on the screens, but I, I added some after that, and I want to read um, some stories here. Uh, and you may know some of these stories, you may not. Uh, but I'll, I'll read them to you. And the first is in 1 Kings 3, verses 1 to 5. It's not on there, but you can write it down on your notes and, or you can bring it up in your Bible. I'm going to read it in the NIV version uh, here. And uh, in 1 Kings, uh, this is what I've been reading through my 
daily Bible reading. And First Kings uh, tells the story of David, King David, passing away. He passes away and he leaves his kingdom to his son named Solomon. Now, that's a very abridged version of what happened in that story. <laughs> David had uh, a lot of turmoil. He had one son who staged a coup and took over the kingdom. Um, and then his son died in battle. And he had others. He, he, he's, he's got sons that lived and died. But in the end, Solomon is the son that takes over the kingdom. Solomon happens to be the son of Bathsheba, who David had cheated on uh, or had an affair with uh, and got his, her husband killed. And the first child died, but the second child, Solomon, is who takes over the kingdom. It's, it's actually amazing, um, and, and we need to remember this in our own stories, that God's story in the lineage of heaven is riddled yeah. with disqualified people. Yeah. It's riddled with people who shouldn't be there, right. who don't fit in a religious timeline, yeah. that don't fit based on their moral or ethical outworkings. But God is about redeeming people irrelevant of their moral or ethical wrongdoings. Yeah. It doesn't actually matter what you've done. It's yeah. not a disqualifier. The kingdom of, of God, the lineage of Jesus, has prostitutes in it. The lineage of Jesus has adultery in it. The lineage yeah. of Jesus is this. You are never too far gone. It doesn't matter what the world or society wants to tell you. Jesus looks at you and sees you as a part of his story. Yeah. And a part of generation stories to come. I remember that it said one time this way that the, um, I think it's my wife who said it, uh, or she stole it from someone, I don't know, but something about the idea that, you know, whatever you as an adult do not overcome, your children then are left to overcome. And isn't it amazing how you look into your parents' life and you see you're dealing with the same issues that your parents dealt with? And if you don't actually resolve those things, they, they travel down in generations. But you have the power to break curses in your lineage. You have the power to step out and make a mark that transforms what the future generations look like. I love those cornerstones on old churches of the dedication in 1906. You know, it's, it's got these dates. It saddens me to see old churches not filled with the presence of God. That's where I want to be. I want to find old church buildings and restore them to their rightful place. Because I can only imagine that heritage that was sowed, that was poured out, poured out for that. So this is Solomon. Solomon, uh, and we're going to read uh, 1 Kings 3, 1 to 5. Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. He brought her... Uh, he brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace in the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people, however, were still sacrificing at the high places because the temple had not been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, uh, for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. That's a lot to travel. I'm glad we're not bringing a thousand rams with us to church these days. Um, a little bit harder to manage. For that was the most important high place that Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want to give, want me to give you. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now the Lord my God, you 
have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant here is among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administrating justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never be anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke and he realized it had been a dream. Don't you wish that God would ask you what you wanted? Or wait, has he already asked you what you want? Has he already asked you, what do you want from me? But instead, have we had this long list of worries? Worry is an interesting thing. Um, I found when I worry, I put all the weight on myself. When I'm anxious, I put all the onus on myself. And prayer is an interesting thing. It's all about taking the weight off of yourself. So the antidote for worry is prayer. To take the weight that you are trying to carry, thinking it is your responsibility, or really that you are skilled enough to handle the things that life brings forward to you. And prayer is about releasing that and putting the weight back on someone in some place that is able to carry and handle that. Wouldn't it be amazing if we remembered today that God is asking you, what do you want? We think that we have to wait for these moments, but Christ died so that every moment could be an opportunity to speak to God. Not just once a year when a sacrifice was brought, but every opportunity is a moment to ask for the things that you need in your life. In a moment, we're going to go to Matthew 9, 37 to 38. Uh, but I want to tell you a story. I was... Um, Preparing, I, I do not do most things, uh, if you don't know me well, or if you know me well, I don't know. I do not do most things in a common way. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, I'm uncommon. <laughs> That's it. Um, and I was, you know, my preparation for sermons doesn't necessarily look like everyone else's. It's just what I've learned, how God speaks to me. And it's pretty amazing. Have you found that God can speak to you in many different ways? Uh, it's, I think it's interesting as your kids age, if you have children, that like your children begin to be the voice of God in your life sometimes. They say things, you're like, wow, thanks, God. <laughs> you, know, you don't tell them that, but <laughs> you know what I mean. You recognize that, that God can speak things. You can be doing uh, you know, whatever, and, and God has an ability to speak to you. And, and this week we were... Um, uh, I, you know, it was, we had a wedding yesterday, so I think it was busy. You know, we all have busy weeks. We mostly have busy weeks, I think. Um, 
And Kimberly and Everett were at Superstore, and I get a message from Kimberly, and Everett has a bunny. You know, because every kid has a thing. Yeah. So he has a bunny that he takes with him. And she texts me, she's like, well, I'm, I'm now on my second walk through Superstore looking for the bunny that Everett has dropped somewhere. How many of you know Superstore is not the place you want to be looking for anything that you have brought in there and lost? Not just because of its size, but because of the mass of people in there. Um, she texts me this, and I'm like, oh, no. Uh, you know, and she's probably nervous to text it because she thinks I'm going to say something bad, or I don't know. But this happens, and I'm preparing to do my sermon prep. And drive. I, I'm here, I'm working, and I do a little bit of work. And then after a little while, I'm like, I think I should drive to Superstore. I'm not at Superstore, so I have no idea where they went. So if, if you don't want to lose things in Superstore, what you definitely don't want to do is go look for something that you don't know who had it, when they had it, where they had it, in Superstore. This is also a fool's errand. Um, and I was going, I was leaving to go do some preaching prep, and I felt like, I think I'm supposed to go to Superstore. I was a little bit hungry, so, you know, I went and got a burger. Did you know A&W burgers are now $13? That is a ripoff. Anyways... <laughs> But it was still better than being hangry. So I go into Superstore, and, and I, I do this thing, and, and I, I, I was actually, it must have been Friday, actually, but I was, I was encouraged, no, it was, doesn't matter, it was Thursday. Um, I was encouraged when we were at men's night based on what someone had said at men's night. And I go there, and I'm thinking, this is stupid, but I say, Holy Spirit, could you help me find the bunny? Now, I'm not very super spiritual, and usually when people say those things, I'm like, all right, let's come back from the clouds to earth, everybody. <laughs> but I was reminded in that moment that I could spend a long time looking for something, waiting for God to ask me what I needed. But God had already asked me what I needed. And I could reach out and tell God, this is what I need in this moment. I know it's pithy. I know it seems small in comparison to great things happening around the world, but God, could you maybe be present in this? I think we have to remind ourselves sometimes that God cares about the things going on in your life. Even if you were a prostitute or a part of an adulterous affair, God still cared about them and still cared about the interests in the world. Solomon is the son of the king's affaired spouse and he gets the kingdom and God's asking him, what do you want, Solomon? There's a man that has a lot of reason to say, well, I'm not worthy to want anything. Right. I go to Superstore, and I think this is a fool's errand, and I walk in, and I'm like, okay, God, like, show me. Yeah. Like, I don't know what they bought. I don't know where to go. So I know my wife well enough, so I walk directly to the wine section. <laughs> Actually, that's 100% true of what I did. They walk to the wine section. I'm like, okay, God, like, I don't know. Look under the things. I got there at 12.09. Oh, that's when I got my burger, so 12.09. Walk there, I'm like, I don't know. And then I'm starting to think about chocolate bars, so I walk through the chocolate bars for myself now. And looking, I'm like, there's so many people here. Like, there's no chance. I'm like, okay, no, they bought gifts. So I go over to where the games are, and I'm about to walk down the aisle, and I'm like, now it won't be this aisle. And I turn to the left, and on the table is Bunny, sitting there. I was in the space for nine minutes. Superstore, for nine minutes, 
Kimberly had walked through the superstore twice. She'd looked for Bunny. And she crawled on her hands and knees. I don't know. And I send this picture, and, and it's a very pithy thing. But it was God reminding me in my sermon prep that we could ask him for things. That actually, there's the ability to ask God for things in our life, whether they're big or whether they're small. Matthew 9, 37 and 38 says this. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. Okay? So he's telling the disciples that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He's saying, ready are the people to find Jesus. But there's not enough people to introduce people to Jesus. So you pray to me and tell me to send people. So he's telling them, here's the problem, here's the solution, but you need to be a participator by asking me to send the solution. He knows the problem, he knows the solution. Jesus, why do I have to ask you then? Because unless I ask, I maintain thinking that it's me who has the solution, rather than recognizing that it's him that has the power. Turn my worries into prayers means take it off my shoulders yeah. and put it onto someone's shoulders that is yeah. capable and able to carry it. Yeah. And all I have to do is what? Ask. Ask. That's very good. God tells Solomon, ask me what you want. Yeah. God knows what Solomon wants. But he says, ask. Right. Jesus tells the disciples, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Here's the problem. Here's the solution. But I need you to ask. Matthew 7, 7 to 8. Ask. This is Jesus speaking. And it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be open. It's funny, when I ask for something, when I ask the Holy Spirit to help me find Bunny, I know, just a pithy example here. Do you know what I began to do in those next 10 minutes? I began to listen to what the Holy Spirit had to say, because I was relying on the Holy Spirit to help me find Bunny rather than relying on me to help find Bunny. Now, I'm a very methodical person, so I'm unusual and methodical. I know, it's a, it's a mess altogether, okay? So I'm methodical. So you know what I do when I go to a grocery store? It's the reason that Kimberly and I cannot go to grocery stores together. I start on one side, I walk down every aisle, go back and forth, and then we go down these aisles, and if I have to divert from that, something has gone wrong. I have failed. When I go to Costco, I go down every aisle. It doesn't matter if I want anything from it. I just feel like you have to make sure. And if you ask me to divert from that, I will be paralyzed. <laughs> like Ikea. No, Ikea is just paralyzing. <laughs> and if I went to Superstore looking for a bunny, I would have walked down every aisle, back and forth, 
because that's my solution to the problem. It would have taken me much longer and I probably wouldn't have found money. Because it's funny how my solutions to my problems are not actually the solution that God has for my problems. Your solution for your problems will take longer and probably will not have the solution that God has if you ask. Because when I asked, I began to rely on God's ability to speak and show me what was going on. And, and maybe I know, I, I, I think this is super spiritual to talk about, you know, praying for the bunny. I've heard people like, well, if you lost your keys, just pray for it. I'm like, no, just stop losing your keys, you idiot. Um, <laughs> that sounded far more me than I meant for it to. <laughs> uh, and I, I think that stuff seems super spiritual. Um, and, and I know it seems like a very pithy example, but, but I actually feel like the reason I'm trying to give you a pithy example is because it's very obtainable. And, and we, often get cap, we often get paralyzed uh, by praying. We get paralyzed by seeking God for things in our life because we think it has to be significant. But can't it just be insignificant and you believe that your Father in Heaven cares about your insignificant things too? Does He care if you get enough sleep? Does He care if you get a job when you're praying for a job? Does He care about where you take your resume to? Does He care about what you're looking for? I remember when we moved, uh, was it here? I think it was, yeah, when we moved to Vernon, we had just finished renoing our house in Revelstoke, and I think I finished it that day and told Kimberly, I think we're gonna move. And then she cried for five days, no, or she, you know, it was a devastating thing, that's what I'm trying to say. Whatever it was, I don't recall. Um, but I remember saying, hey, like, I think this is a God thing that we're moving, and I think you should write down the things that you want in the house that we're going to. And you did. And in the house that we moved in, everything that you had wanted was there. And more. And again, these are super spiritual things, or pithy super spiritual, which do you want to choose? But would it hurt if you asked God? Like, what's the worst thing that could happen? If that list you're writing, you wrote down of the things that are keeping you up at night, that are turning your, your guts into tight ropes because you're unsure of how this is going to go, what would be the worst if you, instead of worrying for a moment, you actually asked God? Because here's the thing, is when we worry, we replay it so much times in our mind that we think we have asked God. Right. Wow. We think because we've thought about it so much, God must know. He does. But he's waiting for you to ask. Did I read Matthew 7? I don't know. Matthew 7, 7 to 8. Ask, yeah. Then I want to turn to James uh, 4, 1 to 3. And maybe while I'm finding that, if you look at your list of the things that you're worried and anxious about, is there something else that should be on that list? Is there something else? that if you're honest is concerning you is keeping you up at night is creating fear in your life because isn't that the thing that worry does worry creates fear of an unknown future I'm worried and I'm creating the fear of something I don't know yet what will happen versus prayer which creates faith for the unknown future Worry creates fear for the unknown future. Faith produces faith. Sorry, prayer produces faith for the unknown future. Your future is unknown. 
Even if you think it's known, you're wrong. <laughs> James 4, verses 1 to 3, it says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? This is James writing to various churches in the day. It says, You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet. Oh, sorry, you're reading the NLT, aren't you? Uh, I gave them the NLT. Let me switch to that. That's my fault. Sorry, was it wrong behind me? You guys weren't, you guys weren't reading it? No, that's good. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from you. Yet, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Um, I, I was thinking about this scripture and, and studying it a bit, and, and it's talking about these quarrels that existed in the church that they were, um, you know, they were, they were creating divisions unnecessarily, right? It is just the reality of humanity. You get a few different people together, you get a few different opinions together, right? So it was creating divisions, and they were warring and creating these unnecessary quarrels, and jealousy was coming because that person had this, and this person didn't have that. And, and he says, to ask for God, ask God for the things that you need. And then he says, and it feels like a conflict, he says, but then you ask and you don't get it. Like, oh, James, you said to ask, and now I ask and I don't get it. He's like, because your motives are all wrong. Um, and and I, I, I thought about this a little bit and thought, like, okay, how does, how does that work? How do I ask for something and my motives are wrong? And it's funny, like, I, I have a relationship with my wife, right, and, and I love her. Um, and if I say, you know, Kimberly, I love you, that's got meaning. But if I'm like, I love you, I think, maybe, doesn't have the same power. Right. I love you with an exclamation mark versus I love you with a question mark. You can say the same thing, and it has different power. You ask, but you don't get it because your motives are on. You want only what will give you pleasure. When you ask, there's this necessity for us to ask for things and believe that God can accomplish them. There's this necessity for us to ask and recognize God's ability to move in our or on behalf of his will. This is what I know is that God does not permit things in prayer that are not aligned with his will. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you ask for God to kill your boss, he will not do it. It's not aligned with his will. Because God has parameters to his world and existence. And the thing about prayer is it's this relationship with God. And this is what I found is when I ask God, he starts to demonstrate to me the things that I need to then participate in to receive the thing he has for me. Um, most people don't like this. Uh, that most people would like to believe that God is like Santa Claus. So if I ask, he gives it to me. No, if I ask, he gives me the opportunity to receive what I need. So if I ask God for a job, he gives me opportunity to put out a resume for a job, right? If I ask God for a partner in life, a spouse, I probably still have to go on a date. And, you know, I might meet someone, but I still have to do something. God doesn't do it all. He does part of it. He puts in your pathway, a uh, pathway to the destination that you need. It requires something of you. We ask so that we can have our eyes opened up. I asked the Holy Spirit to help me find Bunny, and I still had to walk through the aisles. Right. 
Bunny didn't just show up. I still had to be a participant alongside the Holy Spirit. Okay, all right, not here, not there. So we ask and participate. I want you to look at that list in front of you. I know some of you will have participated, some of you may not have. And what are the worries on that list, that anxious things on your list? I want to ask this question. Have you asked God to intervene in that? It's the first base step, right? Like, God's willing to move in your life, but have you asked him? It's sort of giving him permission. Have you asked God? If you haven't, that's, that's the step I give you today. It's to take a moment. It doesn't have to be long. But you ask the Holy Spirit. You ask God. You say, God, this is the need in my life. This is the desire in my life. This is the want in my life. Whatever it is. This is the thing in my life that I, I need you to move in. And I'm carrying this worry. You do what, what the message version summarizes. You turn your worries into prayers. Yeah. You ask God. And then here would be the second step. As I was just talking for the last little bit there, I was talking about the need that when, it's interesting when, uh, when Jesus tells his disciples that the harvest is plenty, the workers are few, so ask to the Lord of the harvest to send workers. He says, here's the problem, here's the solution, here's the thing you have to do. When you ask God for something in your world, I don't know, maybe it's, a, maybe it's a financial need. Maybe it's an occupational need. Maybe it's a relational need. When you ask God, it does then require you to take a step somewhere. I have found that when there's a financial need in my life, it always requires me to give financially somewhere, which feels so cruel. But if I want to see that shift in my world, I have to give faithfully. I have to give in faith to what God has. When there's a relational need in my world, it usually means me having to say sorry first. But I'm asking for God to get them to say sorry, but I tend to have to be the first person to take a step. When it's an occupational need, I tend to find that you have to do the job hunt. You have to, you know, there's there's a participation in here. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. You ask God, but then there's a requirement for you. Do not expect that someone else takes the first step because that's actually your step to take. Yeah. Why do we ask God? Why do we take the step? Because that is where faith exists. Faith is the realm where we include God on our behalf, and that's where we see that the Holy Spirit still has power today yeah. to move on your behalf. Faith starts a church with nobody in it. Faith buys an instrument before we have a drummer. Yes. Hear what I'm saying? Faith takes a step when it doesn't make sense to take the step because only that way when God speaks can I see the power of God fill the distance. Faith is the evidence of the things unseen. It fills the space of distance between what you want and what you need to accomplish here. There's a gap there and that gap is called faith what your worry is. I don't know what your anxiety is, but let me remind you what I said at the very beginning. I know if you are here, this word is for you. Do not let it pass you by because you're too afraid to ask. Do not let it pass you by because you're too worried of what the outcome will be if you take that step of faith. 
read these different stories, Solomon asked for wisdom, Jesus telling people to ask for the workers of the harvest, James telling us that we have not because we don't ask, uh, Matthew uh, 7, 7, 8 saying, ask, knock, and the door will be open, these, these steps that are required to be taken, and, and in all of these verses of this common thread, the necessity to ask. Three letters, one word, so simple, so powerful, yet so difficult to do. Why does our spirit war in us to ask our Heavenly Father? Another scripture says, uh, and it's, a, it's, it's the continuation, I believe, of 7 uh, verses 9. And it says, well, you earthly fathers are good enough that you give bread to your children. So why do you think that God would be any different? That he would give you something negative when you ask for it? Would he not give you the desires of your heart? Would he not give you the things that you... Do you not know that the Father God who created you instilled upon you the desires you have? The things you desire, the things you want, the things that, that you desire to see for your future in your life, God put those in you. He looks at them and he's okay with them because he put them in you. He wants them for you just like you want them for yourself. You're not asking too much when it's what God has already put in you. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.